All right, uh, glad you're with us. Thank you, Scotch. It's finally here, and I want to start out first with a thank you. Uh, we have now, this is launch day, and our book has been, what, 24, what, 48, I don't even know anymore. At least 48 hours, right? Maybe more. Uh, it's the number one book uh, in the country, all categories on Amazon.com, and I want to say thank you because... Um, I've said this in many of the interviews. I did not want to ever write another book, but I I just, it started percolating, you know, in my solar plexus. And it just, I felt a sense of urgency building what the moment was going to be. And, and I worked on it. I worked on a title, the working title. Most of the book actually was live free or America dies. We put that in Latin at the very bottom of the book. Um, And I'm just very, very grateful that, to all of you, uh, I, I think you'll find it worthwhile. I think the moment calls for it. You know, I wish I had a, and it's all up on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, and now in bookstores everywhere. You can actually go to a bookstore in a lot of cities, and it's there too. Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, all those places. Costco, I think, has Walmarts. They usually carry it. I don't know if they do this time. And we have a lot of great events I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention to you in a, in a minute. You know, and I was thinking about this, and I forgot when I made the pivot. There's a, there's a live free or die. It's got, it's got an optimistic vision, and then it's got a, uh-oh, die. So it's got a warning. This is a warning. This, this, this is why I wrote this book. I didn't write it to be number one in the country. I'm, I'm grateful. I'm very grateful. That's not why I did it. Uh, I don't, I write every night, I write a monologue, and I really write half a monologue and ad-lib the rest of the monologue. That's that's kind of the little secret behind Hannity on the Fox News channel, because I'm a talk show host. There's nothing I'm saying in this entire program that is pre-planned or written down. Nothing. So I I wrote this this book because I knew this moment would come. I really, and the subtitle, you know, America and the World on the Brink. America, oh, on the brink of what? Greatness, continued goodness. You know, think of the world without the United States of America for one second. Maybe it's not fashionable to talk about American goodness, American greatness, or what we call American exceptionalism. Maybe it's not fashionable. But the reality is human beings are flawed. We just are. Of course, we're not a perfect country. No. But, you know, the beauty and the wisdom of our framers and founders is captured for me in this, that this constitution of ours that has created more liberty, more freedom, more wealth creation, a standard of living that we've shared with the entire world through our industry and risk and reward and invention and innovation and science and math and medicine and and every other thing conceivable is because of liberty. It's because of freedom. And we have, for example, when I say, you know, that we we have literally advanced the human condition because we, for example, we get a coronavirus vaccine, which Moderna very well is on very soon. We might have one. The hope and promise is amazing, actually. And there's not just Moderna, there's AstraZeneca, there's other countries, there's other companies, you know, final trials. And we will share that with the world. We're not going to hold it for ourselves. You're on your own, the rest of the world. Why? Because that's not who we are as a people. We're the most generous people on the face of the earth. The American people 
are are just good people. We're genuinely good people. Now we have evil. There's evil everywhere. You know, what do we see when you kill an innocent man, woman, or child? You're that's evil. You know, a rapist is evil. Child molesters evil. Those are the most glaring examples. And there are, you know, less evil versions, I guess, of, of all sorts of things. But most Americans are good people. You know what most Americans, they remind me a lot of my grandparents and my parents. And I've told you my background and my life story a number of times. I won't repeat it, but just all four grandparents poor. All came from Ireland. Mom and dad grew up very poor. My father in bed in Brooklyn, New York, and my mom in the South Bronx in New York. My mom worked double shifts my entire life. That's all I remember, 16-hour shifts as a prison guard. My dad, family court probation, waiters on a weekend. My family's story is not exactly unique in any way, shape, manner, or form. I know that any success I've had in my life, which I never anticipated to be very blunt, nor that anyone else that knew me when I was incorrigible and young and stupid, and I, I feel blessed to have that, but I also know and appreciate that I stand on their shoulders. So the optimistic, the optimistic side of it is live free. We can continue to live free. And if anything, there's never been a president that has done more to dismantle the bureaucracy, the burdensome, expensive bureaucracy than Donald Trump. There's a, following the Reagan model on tax cuts that the, the president is, and that's what this all comes down to. Biden's going to re-regulate everything. Biden's saying he's going to raise your taxes. He now his economic czar, he's even plagiarizes Bolshevik Bernie. I mean, he's pledging trillions and trillions of your hard-earned dollars to this new Green Deal madness that also gets rid of the lifeblood of the world's economy. How many millions of of high-paying career jobs are going to be lost in the energy sector if Joe Biden becomes president, beholden to AOC and company? I never thought that it would go this hard left. I knew it was dangerous. And I know, we all know instinctively, they just hate everything about Donald J. Trump. And they hate all of us smelly Walmart shoppers. Oh, the, what did Joe call them? The 15% that are just, ugh. He had his own irredeemable, deplorable moment. The cling to God, as Obama said, angry, bitter, clinging to God. The Second Amendment rights, their Bible, their religion. Okay, guilty. Shopping at Walmart, guilty. I'm not smelly, as Mark said. I'm not. And most people in Walmart are not either. How insulting is all of this? They, they think they knew better. The 1% that spied on a president. Spied on a campaign, spied on a transition, tried to, uh, there was an attempted coup in this country. Imagine if it was successful. You know, freedom, of, you know, as Reagan says, freedom is but one generation away from extinction. One ge- it could happen here in 91 days. That's the five alarm fire in my head. And I can't tell you how this is going to end today, 91 days out. I can't tell you. But I feel the urgency, and honestly, it's really not for me at this point. It's just not. You know, you you get to this point in life, those of us that are a little bit older. I can't believe 33 years in radio, 25 in Fox, but I'm, you know, in my 50s, late 50s. We do it, then now you start thinking about other things, especially our children. 
Maybe one day I'll have grandchildren. I don't know. If I get to live that long, this might, this election might kill me. Um, and anyway, I, I just have to tell you that for me, this is the moment in our lifetime, higher taxes, lower tax, more bureaucracy, less bureaucracy, open borders, amnesty, United Sanctuary sta- States of America, no oil, gas, energy, those jobs go away. Everything's free. They'll be confiscating every penny we make. Bolshevik Bernie socialism, AOC's new green deal and Bozo O'Rourke's gun confiscation. Supreme Court nominees, you know what you're going to get with Biden, judicial activism. I mean, Schumer's already said he wins the Senate. (laughs) Goodbye, filibuster. President Trump was telling McConnell to do the whole time because he knew that when they got back in power, they would do it. But this is about an opportunity to cement in the great growth, the great progress that this country keeps building upon, thanks to the sacrifice of our parents and our grandparents and so many that came before us. Are we a perfect country? No, we are not. Did those the framers and founders give us a path to right wrongs, correct injustices, always striving to be a more perfect union? Yes, they, yes, they did. That's the brilliance of them. And have we made a ton of progress? Absolutely. We have a ton of progress more to make? Absolutely. But because of freedom, the standard of living that is the envy of the world, and we share our innovation and our invention and our medical breakthroughs and whatever it happens to be with the entire world. And by the way, God help us, if the United States of America is weak, who's going to beat back the forces of whatever evil manifests itself in in whenever it's going to happen it's like when not if fascism nazism communism imperial japan you got mao you got stalin and lenin and the bolshevik revolution and you know east germany versus west germany venezuela cuba you name it so i'm hoping that that we can in 91 days shock the world again now, good poll numbers from Rasmussen. and I'll go through this in the course of the program today. Good, amazing, actually. And um, we, we had planned, obviously, a, a traditional book tour. I've been doing a lot of shows. I'm going to be on O'Reilly tonight. I was on Glenn Beck today, Fox and Friends today. I'm going to be on a number of Fox shows tomorrow, tape a segment with The Five for today. Um, O'Reilly's interview starts at 8. We're doing, so what we've worked out is, like with the Reagan Library, and the Nixon Library, and we're working out many events with our great affiliates across the country, our radio affiliates, that you can participate in. Uh, when we get off television tonight at 10 Eastern, it's, it's thank God for technology because we're going to have what's called a live signing. And if you can go to Hannity.com, you click on the big link that's there, and boom, you're, you're in, and, and I'll be there, and I'll be hanging out. I don't know, I'll stay as long as people want me to stay. I don't care. And signing books and and talking and answering questions. I think Linda wants to ask them, which is going to be bad. I'll get to that later. And um, and then we can use this. This is an informational guideline. This is going to tell you this is the choice. This is what made America great. This is why socialism, a history of failure, the Democratic 2020 agenda and the rise of radicals. Now we're going up against a, a 99% corrupt media mob you know, the latest conspiracy, Donald Trump's never going to leave office, ever. He'll be taken out in handcuffs. These people are nuts. 
and they've been fighting with everything they have. You're, we're either going to hear in 91 days or 92 days, if it's early the next day on the 4th of November, you know, the mob choking on the words, we can now project Donald J. Trump's been reelected the 45th president. Or we'll know that Bolshevik, Bernie, AOC, Pelosi, Schumer, and Bozo, that he'd be the 46th president. The only people that can stop that are you. We'd love to have you join our live events. All of it's laid out. Reagan Library, Nixon Library, our live signing tonight is 10 Eastern. Anybody can join. Just go to Hannity.com. Uh, love to see you tonight. And I'm just looking forward. I wish I was able to be out there with you. I wanted to get it, um, in and out Burgers in California. I'd planned on it. Crown Burgers in Salt Lake City. I'd planned on that, too. We were actually going to do that event in the parking lot of Crown Burger. We were working on it. And I'm hoping that I can get out in the fall, too. But... Right now, these we've created really new, innovative ways we can connect, just like we'll have telemedicine and we'll have teleeducation. I'm, the world's changed. And, and teleworking. Now we can have telebook signings. It's crazy. Anyway, Hannity.com tonight. And I want to thank all of you. This is not about me. It's not about being able to say I'm number one. I'm just saying thank you for making it number one and finding value. And I think you will find value that you can share with your friends, your neighbors, your your. Pass it around. You don't have to buy two books. Buy one and give it to everybody. I don't care. The mob, the media would like you to think Donald J. Trump has no shot. There's all these signs, anecdotal signs that I see of weakness. I mean, I watched Barack Obama last week at the eulogy he was giving for uh, John Lewis. I'm like, okay, going full, hardcore, hard, you know, let's divide the country. But, of course, he's, you know, Donald Trump's the divider. Okay. We see this every two years and every four years. We see other weaknesses emerging in the Democrats as well. I mean, Bolshevik Bernie's people still don't like Biden, even though he plagiarized the whole economic agenda. And the fact that Biden goes hard left. I just watched Dana Perino had done an interview with Jill Biden, his wife, Jill, Dr. Jill Biden, I guess she calls herself. But, um... Oh, he's always been a moderate. No, he's not. I don't think this guy has ever been anything but a, you know, let me put my finger in the air. And I'm not exactly sure who's advising. They can barely get a podcast on. But there's nothing moderate about the economic plan he's adopted or the trillions of dollars that he's going to spend on this new Green Deal nonsense and the taxes he says he's going to raise and the and the amnesty he's going to give. And we already know vis-a-vis the mullahs in Iran how weak he is on foreign policy. And by the way, he was against killing bin Laden. How many Americans know that? Never mind his, well, troubled racial history of comments that he's made that the mob will ignore. All right, quick break. 800-941-SEAN. 10 o'clock Eastern. Hannity.com for the virtual signing today and book launch day. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. Yes, it's launch day, live free or die, America and the world on the brink. Uh, hope a lot of you, if you have, have time tonight after Hannity at 10 Eastern, uh, we're going to have a, a live signing event. Uh, just go to Hannity.com, click on it. And uh, O'Reilly has uh, our no cupcake, no spin zone interview that he's been warning about. What is this? I got a month's warning. I said, I haven't slept in a month, Bill. I'm worried. I'm up at night. <laughs> what is he going to do? Club me? Uh, Rosie O'Donnell. I don't know if it gets worse than that one. 
Um, so anyway, that's tonight and on his website, BillOReilly.com, and, and he's got links to it. Linda put it all up on Hannity.com. We're doing events with the Reagan Library, Nixon Library, many of our wonderful stations. Tonight's live event is at 10. Uh, tape something with the five today uh, on Fox News. Was on Fox and Friends this morning. Glenn Beck, to the, you know, I've done t- so much stuff. New Gingrich's podcast, uh, which he's going to join us to talk about the election at the top of the next hour. But it was very, very, he's like my older brother. Our our lives have intertwined closely since Second. 1990. We are. I don't know if you know this, but he wrote an what? op-ed on Fox News. And he said some very nice things about you. I did see it. It was really, I really did. sweet. Sean Hannity and I agree America's on the brink. I, we've been best friends. We have been friends for over 30 years. Yeah. It's kind right? of, it so just think of really him touching. as the younger, younger, dramatically <laughs> more successful brother. I'm like, yeah, okay. I was never third in line to be president. It was pretty <laughs> like, sweet. I was like, wow, that was really kind. It was really, really We share nice. the same values you wrote, freedom, integrity, love of our constitution and love of this country. That was really nice of him to write that. And um, I was the MC the night he became speaker. Speaker, I'll go over this with him a little bit. I really enjoyed doing this, and we just it happened organically when we talked, and it, and it aired on his podcast. Which, by the way, I mean he's got so many thousands of people listening on his podcast. It's great. He actually said something that I I don't. He's a great historian. What most people don't know about Newt is is just brilliant. I actually think Mark and Newt are, you know, similar in this sense and I love to interview smart people, is that they are great historians. They love history, both of them. When Newt comes to New York, he can spend days, I mean, understand me, entire days in the museums in New York, Natural History Museum, et cetera. The other thing he loves is zoos. I did a zoo event with him when when I was down in Atlanta at one point. It was actually a lot of fun. The Atlanta Zoo is great. Um... And Mark, same thing. I watched Mark write his books, and I'm like, that's when I swore I'm never doing this again. I'd see you, you go through his dining room. I mean, I've never seen so many piles of papers and research in my entire life until, again, I'm researching this book, which is a lot of work. I did have help with the research, thank God. I have a great team around me. And then he said, I don't believe this. He said, live free or die will be around for a long time beyond 2020, serving as a work to which historians will refer as they seek to understand this critical moment in American history. And I'm thinking, now he's a historian. Nobody knows more about the Civil War than Newt Gingrich, like, like the great one with the Constitution. And I will tell you, I, I don't, I'm not believing that, but I'm like, I am thinking this, though. And then he went on to even say that he thinks this presidential election is the most important since 1864. Well, Civil War ending. And he, you know, and he writes rightly so, Joe Biden's no moderate. He's not. But I will say this. History will judge us. History will judge this generation of Americans. Are we going to be the generation that Reagan warned about? Freedom is but one generation away from extinction. My father fought in World War II, grew up poor in the Depression, like my mom grew up poor. Honestly, I don't want that to be our legacy. You have to defend freedom and liberty. 
And I said it in one of my other books. You have to defeat liberalism. There's no middle ground here. It's either going to be Biden's vision of Bolshevik Bernie's economic policies, AOC, Schumer Pelosi, and, and Bozo, or it's going to be President Trump's. There's no middle ground on any issue. I can't even think except, oh, Joe Biden to try and say, we're going to buy American. Yet it was him and Obama, Barack saying, yeah, those jobs ain't coming back. Trump brought them back. I'm against the travel ban 10 days after the first kiss. It's hysterical xenophobia and fear mongering. 10 days after the first case. Anybody in the mob and the media ever give the president credit for that? Nope. Was able to delay the release of the book so we could get it as up to date as we could, including coronavirus. And it's it's there's no middle ground here. We're going to follow one path or another. That's what's at stake. I don't want to be a part of the generation of Americans. I don't. Where we we now turn the country over to the most radical presidential candidate of a major party ever not just in my lifetime because with the false promises of socialism you also give up your liberty and your freedom in the name of what will be false security you want to know what you know when you talk about status you know or you look at historically totalitarian regimes you know, what goes with it? When you, you, get, you buy the promises, everything's free. Oh, I feel I have no more pressure in life. My education, preschool through college is going to be paid for. My, my student loan's forgiven. Guaranteed job. Guaranteed government salary. Guaranteed government healthy food. Guaranteed housing. Guaranteed daycare. Guaranteed, let's see, what else are they guaranteeing? Healthcare. And I've been making this point in a lot of the interviews. I'm like, okay, well, how is the promises of government on these issues, very specific issues, worked out? It hasn't. Keep your doctor, millions lost their doctors. Keep your plans, millions lost their plans. Save money, on average, $2,500 per family per year. Well, we're all paying about 200% more on average. Some more, some just slightly less. There's almost 40% of this country, Biden-Obamacare, that only have one Obamacare health care exchange option, just one. Well, that doesn't sound like something better. Sounds like we're stuck with another broken promise. Isn't it the government's first responsibility to keep people safe and secure? in their cities and their states, to maintain law and order, not encourage anarchy. By the way, what, what, what is a sanctuary city or state? They're, they're aiding and abetting law-breaking. They don't seem to care. What is, what is you know, allowing anarchists to take over police precincts and city blocks? And we're telling people it's the summer of love zone where people died and violence took place. You know, what, what, what is that? Where is any Democrat that has spoken out about Hillary's violation of the Espionage Act, obstruction of justice, 
you know, I, I, I dare any of you to try this. I don't recommend it. It's not going to end well. You know, imagine you have subpoenaed emails and you delete them. And then you clean your hard drive with something we never heard of before, bleach pit, and then you break up your devices. What do you think is going to happen to you? My guess is you're going to be in deep trouble legally. What's going to happen if at the, you know, you go before Judge Judy. I wouldn't want to do it for Judge Judy. And you're told, even though you're signing your name to a document, that at the top of it says verified, and you're warned repeatedly each step of the way. Four separate FISA applications. They, they run out in 90 days. And you were warned that it's not verified, warned that the, the author had a political agenda against Donald Trump, and that the person that paid for it, which turned out even the New York Times finally recognizing turned out to be Russian disinformation, now totally debunked. What then? Where is one Democrat that said you, you, what you did to Carter Page, Papadopoulos, pre-dawn raids, Manafort, stone over process crimes that the inspector general said that James Comey and Andrew McCabe and others committed. He referred them for the exact same thing. There's, there's no pre-dawn raids with CNN cameras. What Democrat spoke out about any of this? Why am I saying all this? Because that's what's at stake. They don't care about the rule of law. They just care about bludgeoning their political opponents. In this case, they just cared about impeaching Trump at all costs. The Constitution, equal justice of the, under the law, equal application of our laws be damned. That's what's at stake. The optimistic part is we can still live free. We can continue the greatest country God gave man and, and even take it to new heights and new levels and become a better, more perfect union with, it, uh, with innovation and, and risk, reward, and, and, you know, rise, the cream rises to the top. We can cr bring back law and order. We can restore the rule of law in this country. We could prevent another coup attempt from ever happening again in this country. That's the free part. Or America is going to decide not to. I don't have the crystal ball. I wish. Oh, I'd sleep better at night. Thanks to my pillow, I sleep pretty good. But I'd sleep better at night. I don't want to be that generation that Reagan warned about. Do you? Ask yourselves. All right, maybe those of you say, well, I don't like Trump's style. Do you prefer Joe Biden's vision for law and order? Because I don't. Police of the enemies never said it. 2,000 police hurt, 14 dead. What has Joe Biden ever said about the 99% that serve and protect their communities and risk their lives? The 9-11 cops, the, the cops in the ball field that when Steve Scalise got shot. What is Joe Biden? Oh, yeah, of course we're going to reallocate the money. Sure, please become the enemy. Look at who he's partnered with. Now, it's a sign of weakness that he's had to go hard left to appease his base because he didn't have his base. That's what that says to me. The mob and the media, they're getting hysterical. You know, we, when you start hearing about fascism and Nazi analogies, you, you know what's happening here. They're desperate. That was Barack Obama's speech at the eulogy of John Lewis. You know, now that, now that Biden's been pulled out a little bit from his basement bunker and he has to talk, guess what? Now he's 
He's now aligned himself as now the most radical presidential candidate in history. It's not easy for any, I don't care if you're an incumbent or not. You know, by the way, Joe Biden got endorsed by a communist revolution U.S. party leader. Wants him, but he says he's just not, quote, socialist enough. That's how crazy it is. Comrade, you know, whatever his name is, Bob, whatever. Revolutionary communist. Biden's not better than Trump in any meaningful way, except that he's not Trump. There is an all-out assault on any and all things Trump and all of us who support him. The optimistic message I have in Live Free or Die is we can continue to live free. And frankly, I think there's never been a more transformational president. He's willing to go all the way on all these great ideas of conservatism that we know work. I spent a lot of time putting my credibility on the line. I, because I knew this man for 25 years. I'm telling you, he played the game in New York. That's the bottom line. He wanted to keep buildings going up, so he donated to both parties. He was pro-choice at one point. Never been a part, uh, a president more pro-choice, pro-religious freedom, pro-Israel than Donald Trump. Never been a president that was willing to, okay, we're going to fight a war, we're going to blast you off the face of the earth, i.e. the caliphate, Soleimani, Baghdadi, and the al-Qaeda leader in Yemen. Never had that before. So I hope we're not part of that generation where Reagan warned about. We're just one generation Freedom is but one generation away from extinction. That's what live free and die, America and the world on the brink is all about. The world loses the United States. God help us. God help this country. God help the world. This is not a book about, oh, I want to be number one. Thank you. I'm very appreciative. I'm very sincerely. I can't talk to you every day without your permission and you're listening to the show. I can't do TV without you watching Hannity and hopefully setting a DVR. I hope you can join these events that we have. We have them all up on Hannity.com. As I said, the O'Reilly interview, the, the non-cupcake interview is at 8 o'clock on, on his website. We'll throw a link up there, too. The Reagan Library, Nixon Library, all these great events going up almost daily. You can check it often. Don't forget our electoral map on Hannity.com. When, all right, when does early voting start in your state? What about absentee voting? You need to know these things. Who's your congressional candidates? You need to know all this stuff. This is really important stuff. And we have it up there. Just informational. No no opinion. Just information for everybody. Um, a lot at stake for this country. All right. Thanks, Scott Shannon. And yeah, today's the day. It is launch day. Live free or die. America, the world on the brink. In Latin, live free or America dies. That happened to be the working title throughout most of this process. Uh, now in bookstores everywhere, um, I humbly and gratefully thank you. I didn't, I, I didn't write this book to, quote, be number one. I've been blessed enough that's happened in my life. I wrote it because this is a moment that America's going to choose. Um, and it's so critical. We have this live signing. You can join us online immediately after Hannity tonight. The link is on Hannity.com. All these other events that we have, they're all listed there. Reagan Library, Nixon Library, all this great stuff. And many of our great stations are affiliates across the country. Thank you for your support. And this is it. This is the, the greatest choice election. In uh, Newt Gingrich actually said he wrote a very nice column. See, he says, I, I think this presidential election is the most important since 1864. Nobody 
can tell you more details about the Civil War than Newt. He's really in his heart. I said this about Levin, too. He's a historian and he's a professor. That's who he is. Um, I had an opportunity. I've done a lot of interviews. I have a lot more coming. We did a lot today, a lot yesterday. O'Reilly's uh, non-cupcake interview tonight at, at 8. Non-cupcake. He's been warning me for months. It's not going to be a cupcake interview, Hannity. Oh, okay. Um, from a simple man. But one of the, I will tell you, one the one that I think I enjoyed the most so far, and I love them all, please don't misunderstand, is when I did Newt Gingrich's podcast. I first interviewed Newt Gingrich, he's either 90 or 91, don't know for sure, I think it was 90, in a Holiday Inn in Decatur, Alabama, when he was giving a speech and I was a local radio host making $19,000 a year. I'd taken a pay cut to do it because I was had a passion for this and never thinking I'd ever have the honor to be with you every day in 630-some-odd radio stations around the country. Fox News, my 25th year, 33 years in radio. Never thought this all would happen to me, and I know I stand, as I said earlier, on the shoulders of my parents and grandparents. But Newt Gingrich's influence in me and my life is profound. The night he became speaker, I was the MC. As, as fate would have it, in 1992, I went from Huntsville, Alabama to Atlanta, Georgia, where he was a congressman, Cobb County, Roswell, Marietta, Georgia. And our friendship, I mean, we have lived this parallel life. He very, very nicely, right? I think of him as the younger, dramatically more successful brother. I, you know, always the, the shot, but... We've been through a lot together, a lot of elections together. I got the, the honor of emceeing the, the night that he became speaker for the, in 1994, the first time Republicans had, had taken over control of the House of Representatives in 40 years with the contract with America. And we go into our personal history in his podcast. We linked it to Hannity.com. All things are up on Hannity.com, including tonight's virtual book signing, including Reagan Library, Nixon Library. It's all up there, Hannity.com, including our electoral map, informational, you know, when does absentee voting, how do you do that, how do you do early voting in your state, who's running in your state, just information. Mr. Speaker, I thoroughly enjoyed and feel very honored and very blessed to have had you in my life as a guiding influence. You have you have you have pushed me to grow and to learn and to study in in innumerable ways and I've learned a lot just watching you and I'm very appreciative of of all that you've done for me in in these 30 years we've known each other and feel very blessed to have been a small part of your incredible life's journey look I I, I think you know how much Callista and I love you and how much we think you're part of our family. But I can't start this without saying to our audience that Live Free or Die is a very important book. That Sean came out of not writing books for a long time because he felt he had to do this. We covered it in the podcast at Gamer 360, but I just want you to know right now while we're talking that Live Free or Die is one of the most important books that will come out in 2020 and relates directly to the challenge we face this fall. Because it's that simple. If we're going to live free, 
then we're going to be with Donald Trump. If freedom is going to disappear in America, it's going to be with Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. And I think that Sean did an amazing job in this book of communicating that. But in addition, of course, I do think of him as my younger brother. I have hope for him that he keeps maturing and growing. It'll get better. I mean, never... younger brother, older brother. We've what do told you expect, this, right? We've told the story. I mean, he, listen, he's made calls to me. Hey, uh, stop being stupid. He thought I was pushing too hard in 2008 vetting Obama. You told me that. And, and I, I listened to yeah. you, and I like, I, I don't have a choice. I felt I, I, whatever, whatever happens, happens. When I started okay. this project a year ago, I didn't think it would be Bolshevik Bernie's economic agenda plagiarized. Biden just committed trillions of our taxpayer dollars to AOC's Green New Deal. This is, okay. this is beyond. I want to confess. I want to confess up front right here on the air with all of our audience that in 2008, you were the only person I know who understood that Obama was the product of the radicals of the late 60s and that their meaning of what it was like to be an organizer had nothing to do with what Republicans believed. And I think you caught the importance of Bill Ayers, who had set up bombs, who said on 9-11, he was just disappointed that he couldn't set up more bombs. Uh, you, you understood that a thousand times better than anybody else I knew. I give you total credit. And sadly, we still haven't caught up with that reality, which is even worse today, because you're now surrounded. I mean, I just read this piece tonight about AOC, AOC who, of course, recently the famed Father Damien, who was the saint who spent his lifetime taking care of uh, people who had leprosy, himself caught leprosy, died of leprosy, and is now in the U.S. Capitol. And she attacks him because he's white. And I'm thinking, this is a woman who is insane. I mean, it makes no sense at all. I mean, I'd like to see her go and spend one week in a leper colony and then tell us what she thinks of Father Damien. You know, I'm watching this unfold, and I think it's, again, Bolshevik Bernie, AOC, you know, Beto, the gun confiscator guy, Pelosi, Schumer, and Biden. I did a, a man on the street last night. I asked the question, what has Biden done in 51 years in the swamp? Well, well, he smiles and he seems nice, and he was once vice president. I mean, what did you? What did he do for the American people? I can't think of an accomplishment. Now, isn't it a sign of weakness? He's gone this hard left to shore up his base. Well, it could just be that it's who he really is. Um, look, I, I believe that in a normal world, Biden would not exist. Because, I mean, how can you hide in a basement? Have the New York Times suggest that you shouldn't have to debate? Uh, be almost incoherent when you come out in public and be the Democratic nominee for president. I mean, I, I think this is the biggest gamble any party has made in my lifetime in nominating a person 
who every single day proves he's incapable of being president. Uh, and I think that will sink in. And I think it's, it's ultimately not the dominant thing that will beat him. I think he'd lose, frankly, even if he was competent. But I think the depth of his incompetence, the idea that the guy who's going to walk in the room, negotiate with Xi Jinping in China, or negotiate with Putin in Russia, that Biden couldn't possibly do it. In fact, I'm not even sure he could stay awake for the entire meeting. Oh, good grief. You know, I argue that Donald Trump is so predictable and so transparent. What you see is what you get. He he went down the checklist, and it's in the book "Live Free or Die." Of every, and you wrote a book about it yourself. Every promise he made, he kept. It's transparent to me. It's transparent. Now it's predictable what is going to happen with Biden. Adopt Bernie Bolshevik Bernie's economic agenda, AOC's agenda, Schumer Trump's agenda. Uh, Sh- I'm sorry, Schumer uh, Pelosi's agenda and Bozo's agenda. He's not going to change from that. Isn't that isn't that clear? Well, look, I mean, first of all, does anybody believe he's strong enough to stand up to Schumer and Pelosi? I don't. I think they, they will dominate him totally. I think that Biden, if he could get elected, would end up being sort of a puppet for the Pelosi, you know, Schumer, AOC team. And I think that he would do whatever they wanted. And in fact, I'm not sure he would know half the time what he was doing. So... I think that they hope that they can elect a guy president who is totally out of it and who cheerfully lets them nominate everybody from Supreme Court justice to secretary of defense. Uh, and I don't, I don't see him. We have no evidence today from what he's hiding away in the, in the basement that he has the energy to try to govern the executive branch. This is a hard job. It's a big job. It takes, it takes full time tremendous commitment, huge capacity of energy. And I just, I mean, I've known Joe for a long time. I just don't see it. And in the time I've known him, he was always goofy. I mean, let's be clear about this. Uh, he, he ran several times for president. He had to drop out every time, uh, once because he had so totally plagiarized an English Labor Party leader that it was humiliating and the press made fun of him. But you know, he's been around a long time. He's a pleasant guy, but I don't see him as strong enough in a dangerous world to stand up to the Iranians, the North Koreans, the Chinese, and the Russians. And I think that will sober a lot of Americans when they realize we're not voting here for the PTA club president. We're voting for the commander-in-chief of the United States Mm -hmm. who has to defend the entire free world. Newt Gingrich is with us. I did this podcast with him. We do we go through a lot of our personal history, and it was a lot of fun, and I'm very honored. I look at you as a historian and a professor. I, I actually, Mark Levin's the same way. And um, in spite of, get off my phone, you big dope. I mean, he's he's just, he's, he craves knowledge. I, I told people in the last hour that you always go to the zoo and the Natural History Museum. You never stop. But you've created a, a greater desire for me to stretch beyond my knowledge base, and I have. I've listened to you. Uh, stay right there. More with Newt Gingrich. I want to, when we come back, just capture the moment that is now, 91 days out, and what's at stake. We'll do that next. All right, as we continue, Newt Gingrich is with us. Um, had a great time doing his podcast. It's up on Hannity.com. Uh, thank you again for 
making the book Live Free or Die launch at number one of all books, all categories on Amazon.com. We have our, our, our virtual signing tonight. If you want to listen to the podcast, you can with Newt. I want you to capture this moment as a historian. I, I don't. You said that you believe this. What we're what we're talking about here to historians that they will refer to this and understand this critical moment in history. You know, I wish I knew the outcome. I mean, it's a great. It'll be the greatest win ever against the mob and the media and the establishment Democrats. But also, the risk is there or die. The live free part I like. The or die part I worry about. Well, I, look, I think we're at an amazing turning point. You know, I watched AOC last week attack Father Damien, who is a saint, who gave his life serving with uh, lepers in Hawaii. And she just went out of her way to attack him. Then I watched that mm. today she attacked Jesus Christ. Oh, good grief. Uh, and I looked at this stuff. So and we I have a minute, though. The Capture the moment. We... The, the moment's simple. There was a point in time when the American people thought maybe they could take a risk on a guy who was hidden in a basement, surrounded by radical goofballs who represented the end of America. And at that moment, the country got itself together, thought deeply, and said, you know, I don't like everything Trump does, but I admire his courage, his toughness, and the fact that he loves us and he loves America, and that's better than what we're faced with. That's the moment you and I are living in right tonight. The people in this country will decide in 91 days. Mr. Speaker, thank you. I enjoyed doing your podcast. Five till the top of the hour. Glad you're with us. Yeah, yes, we call it launch day, and this has been in the making for quite a long period of time. Look, we've got incredible events that we have set up here and interviews that we're putting up on Hannity.com. Like tonight, after Hannity, we're going to... And this has become apparently the biggest, most popular thing, but having not written a book in 10 years, it's new to me. Although I did participate in in a couple of these for friends, where I would just show up, be a guest, and hang out. And it is, you know, this is where the game changer is, and this even impacts the president. You know, I said on the air the other night, I said, I don't even really think the president ever needs to do an interview with the mob. He's got 230 million people between Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, even with their bias, which we all know is abusive. Um, and it's just an incredible thing that we can now connect um, online for everything. So we're doing the live signing tonight. Um, been signing my my like crazy. And I'd love for you guys to join us. Anybody that wants to join can join. Hannity.com. We have the link right there, right after Hannity at 10. And I'd love to have you join. We're doing really cool virtual events. One we're doing with the Reagan Library, one with the Nixon Library. Uh, we're doing a lot of our local stations uh, as well, our, our big affiliates, and to have fun with them. And and that's coming together really nicely uh, also. Um, you know, uh, just... just um, a very, very exciting time. You know, I've been, when you think of it, live free or die, there's an optimistic message and then there's a pessimistic message. The or die part is Biden, Bolshevik, Bernie, AOC, the trillions Biden's committed to the new Green Deal. 
And, of course, everything is free, but we'll have no oil, gas, or, or, or coal, the lifeblood of the world's economy. That's, that's the danger. Foreign policy appeasement, United Sanctuary States of America, open borders, and amnesty. Law and order, well, you want a preview of coming attractions if in 91 days that you elect Joe Biden in three months? Well, I, I think you could take a very close look at New York and Chicago and Seattle and Portland and San Francisco and Los Angeles. You got a pretty good idea where that's going to how that's going to end. It's not going to end well. And so the optimistic side of it is the live free side of it, which is everything that has made this country great. I go through a deep depth in history of that and we can preserve it and and take the admonition of Ronald Reagan, uh, who said famously, freedom is but one generation away from extinction. And you think it can't happen. Well, there have been other great republics and societies that have collapsed. And when I say America and the world on the brink, again, it's, 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 it's the choice. Okay, if America stays strong and and mighty and Donald Trump's massive military buildup is helping dramatically improve things. We we shot off that ballistic test missile, what is it? I think a, a range of 5000 miles. Just showing everybody, yeah, we still have all the capability in the world and we have pinpoint accuracy. You know, that one of the most amazing advances in technology to me and I and I think this is a game changer and again we're talking technology is that we we have the ability now to fight wars with unmanned drones with pinpoint accuracy that can take out the likes of Soleimani on a tarmac after we followed him in a commercial airliner, and then as soon as his plane lands and he's on the tarmac, goodbye. We could have taken out the whole airline, but we're the United States of America. We love human life. We respect human life. We don't want, if we can avoid it, any innocent person to ever get hurt. That, that's who we are. It defines us. That's not weakness. That's that's called goodness. Actually, I'd even go further. I'd say that is greatness of, of our value system. How is it we've become so successful? It's, 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 so now it's a matter of maintaining the, the, the very principles that have made us strong. In other words, not stacking the Supreme Court, not uh, eliminating the Electoral College so New York, California, New Jersey, and Illinois will decide every president. By the way, that will not go over well with the rest of the country. That, is, that would be a tipping point, a very dangerous tipping point from my perspective, and I think most of yours as well. So there's a, an optimistic message and a pessimistic message, message and we're going to hear the results in spite of all these bizarre, strange, weird conspiracy theories of the media and the Democrats. You know, listen, it's just, there's three signs of desperation I see in the Democrats. One is when they start going to uh, Nazi, Mussolini and fascist analogies, they're desperate. You know, you saw how harsh Barack Obama was. Now it's the playbook of every two and four years, but at the eulogy of John Lewis. We've, we've gone over that in great detail. We've, we've watched uh, Biden, I think another sign of weakness, him going so hard radical left with Bolshevik Bernie and AOC and Beto Bozo and, and Pelosi and Schumer. That's a sign of weakness. So we're going to get an answer 
you're the ultimate jury. Everyone listening to this program, you're the ultimate jury. You are going to make that choice. Now, there's certain things the Republican Party needs to do. They need a good ground game. They need to have lawyers. I'd have a team of lawyers on the ground in every state now. That's how little I trust anybody at the modern liberal Democratic Party. I mean, they, they justified spying on a president and lied, and they knew they were lying. And not one Democrat has ever said, you know what, what they did here is wrong. Not one that I can think of. Now, if we had done that to Barack Obama, what do you think the media reaction would have been? They just, they're just the willing accomplices of, of all things radical leftists. So I, um, I'm, just, uh, I'm really excited about the opportunity now to connect. It's a little different than what we've done in the past. It's been 10 years since I've written this book, uh, written a book. I put my heart and soul into it. And the only reason after swearing, and I mean I swore I'd never do another book again. And the only reason that I did it is because this moment, I believe, calls for it. And I wanted to lay out, this is what makes this country great. This is the radicalism, the history of the rise of radicalism in this country and elsewhere. This is the 2020 Democratic agenda. Let me lay it out for you. And it's even worse than when I was writing the book. Because you've seen now Biden go hard left. But again, they're desperate. You know, everybody basically, all these people, the New York Times and and other people, uh, who was it, Joe Lockhart, say, well, he doesn't have to debate. No, I wouldn't debate him. No, don't debate him. Uh, they're afraid for him to debate. Now, there's also a danger there, too, because you got the... You, you, you got the downside of expectations so ridiculously low that if Biden shows up and just doesn't mess up, just, just doesn't have one of his moments in all three debates. Oh, there's Joe won that debate. Joe, it was Joe. All the, uh, Joe, you could see the difference in Joe and Joe and Joe because that's what the mob is going to say. And so we have, you know, the bottom line is, I don't care if it's a Super Bowl. Use any analogy you want to use. You know, the reason you play the game is to see who wins, and you have a favorite usually, and you have an underdog. I'd argue any Republican ever in this country running for for to be president has has the position of underdog. Well, he's the president. He's he's up for re-election. Okay, no, number one, he's been dealing with, for the most part, a ghost candidate that's hiding in his bunker in the basement. Terry McAuliffe, I'm fine with him there. Of course you're fine with him there. But now that he's been forced to give positions, forced out of weakness to drag in and co-op Bolshevik Bernie's radical economic views, and AOC's pledging trillions on the Green New Deal, all of these things, well, now we know what we're up against the fact that these the, the politics of division, rich versus poor, old versus young, black versus white, it's the same playbook. I've gone through the history of, of you know, how many elections gone by that they've done this. 1998, 2000, 2004, 2008, 2012, you know, 16. You, it always happens. But the good news is for everybody right now, today, we can win. I think there's a reason that the president is up dramatically and in, he's, in you know, with Rasmussen, for example, 51 percent. And 
literally now has 44% of independents. I would argue that might be higher, but time will tell. I don't have a crystal ball, but you can see this. I think, you know, imagine if we get a vaccine in record time. This That would be history in the making, which is interesting because the first comments I always made was I, I believed in our medical researchers, our, our doctors, our professionals, our scientists, and we were able to break down the sequence of coronavirus, COVID-19, Faster than it's ever been done in history. President launches Operation Warp Speed. Final, final stage trials for a vaccine. But by the way, nobody should be forced to take it. I know some of you may worry about that. Nobody's forcing you. I think that should be a choice. I urge people to wear a mask because anecdotally, I've, I've told the story many times. I, I think it worked in my local grocery store and, and my local drugstore. And I went in there every week and nobody got it but they wore masks and they had the plexiglass up, all those things. So, and you know, CDC just saying what, 10 days ago that, Hey, if we do this for four, six, seven weeks, it's over. Um, which I think is smart and people have to choose it though. We can't just sit here. Where are we going to have the, the mask police arresting people? I mean, it's bad enough. The people that are out in public, you know, are getting harassed if they don't have a mask on, which is their choice. Stores certainly have a right to say, listen, this is our policy. Otherwise you can't come in. I just do it because I don't want to get anybody's mom or grandma sick. Anyway, so I'm just excited about it. I want to thank all of you making it number one on Amazon.com in all categories. Number one across the country. Um, I'm looking forward. I, I think I'll be able to see a lot of you certainly answer a lot of your questions tonight uh, as we do this, this, this virtual book signing, which I'm really excited to do. And, and Sean, all these can other I jump in about that. Let's tell yeah. everybody where they can go. So it's Hannity.com. It's right. right on the front page. It's the live signing. It starts right after Sean gets off TV tonight. You can sure. get right in. You can put your questions in there. You can ask him directly what your ideas and questions are. We're also going to do a really fun bit, which Sean doesn't know about yet. Maybe I'll tell you now. Do you want to know what we're going to do with you tonight? Do you have I? Uh oh, I have close? no. I, no, I'm always the last to know. Go ahead. Tell me. <laughs> we're going to do 22 questions that Sean Hannity has never been asked before. So we're going to find out some of the oh, more boy. interesting questions. It's no, going to be a not... speed round. Why Two do minutes. You... Oh. It's fun. It's fun. fun. I like oh. it. Now, can, now, will I be able to see people or are they just no. able to see me? They will be able to see you and they will be able to okay. see your beautiful background that has all the live for your die branding mm. and the books and everything. It'll be super fun. You'll be signing books while you're talking. So you'll be multitasking, which you're incredibly good By at. By the way, should I send out some of the pictures of what they do is before they go to print, you're, uh, they, they have uh, what they call tip sheets. In other words, it's a part tip of ins, the book. Tip ins. Tip ins. And it, it's not like a book plate. It's an actual page that is inserted in the book that's there right. in the book that doesn't have it. And should, should, I, should I send out the pictures of the tens of thousands I've signed? I think that that's a fabulous idea. I don't think anybody realizes how hard it is to actually get all of this no. done in time to go to print and publish and bound. And, oh, it's, 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 listen, and, we, and we pushed it as far as we could uh, yes, so that we could sure. be as current as possible. And then I did all, you know, it took me almost 20 hours. Uh, I did it in one weekend, but I wanted it to be the Sean Hannity people listen to here. And yeah. I read the whole book cover to cover. Which Probably is, honestly, ad-libs. it's incredible because most people Apparently do nobody that. does that. I didn't That's know right. that. That's true. Yeah, so, and, and I just got my first copy of that too, which I'll never listen to. I hate listening to myself. I listened to it. It sounded great. 
Yeah, you did. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. St- take. Well, we got to take a break here. We'll come back. We're going to get an update on a Yale uh, epidemiology professor writing an op-ed in Newsweek about hydroxychloroquine, his experience with the drug, and how it works. And, you know, that was another. The one big study the media followed. Yeah, that was retracted. All right, quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue. Uh, it's the Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program, an update on COVID and how the mob and the Democrats have lied to you. Straight ahead. There's one published uh, just a few days ago that comes out of the University of Minnesota. It's, it's tested on people early on in the process, correct? Which is the same type of trial that you were citing as proving benefits. Again, there are no random placebo-controlled trials that show a benefit, correct? No, you're, you're misstating what I said. I said it had to be in high-risk people. In fact, in my Newsweek paper, as well as my American Journal of Epidemiology papers, I said outpatients, high-risk, people over 60 with obesity or diabetes or cardiovascular diseases, those are the people who get treated. Young people with no conditions don't need to be treated by and large, unless in rare cases they present with shortness of breath. They don't need to be treated. But those were the people who were studied in the Bulwer, Minnesota trials and in the Spain trials and so on. So as I've said, you have to treat the right people and you have to study the right people. Those studies did not study the right people, period. That was a uh, debate, fake news, uh, CNN. I mean, it is unbelievable when uh, Dr. Oz has said it so many times, when you have politics and medicine where they intersect, Politics always wins, which is sad considering, you know, lives are at stake. And, and as Dr. Oz has also said, you go to war with the army you have, not the army that you wish you had. Nobody expected the worst pandemic in the world since 1917 and 18, Spanish flu. Nobody expected this. China lied to the world. The medical experts earlier, they, they couldn't have been more wrong in their predictions. The models could not have been more wrong. The one paper highly touted about hydroxychloroquine had to be retracted, and it was not a difficult lift to discover very quickly that its author has a lot of issues. I've gone over those in the program. Then you have the the Ford study and the New York study, and and again, a lot of anecdotal evidence. Then, then of course, there's Dr. Daniel Wallace. This guy, 42 years, he wrote the, the principal textbook on lupus. This guy's been the head of the Lupus Foundation, every rheumatoid arthritis foundation. He's written on anti-malarials, 400 peer-reviewed medical articles. You know how hard it is to go through the peer-review process? It's not easy. And he says in this letter, April 6th, not a single patient in 42 years have ever had a complication from hydroxychloroquine. Not one. And then he said that the risk, and again, I'm not a doctor. I urge you to consult with your doctor before you do anything. said the risk to people taking the recommended doses that they were talking about. He said for 30 to 60 days, 600 milligram loading dose, 400 milligram uh, dosage thereafter for 30 to 60 days. He said the risk is nil. His words, nil. And what the Ford study and the New York study said in particular was that if taken early, it showed a dramatic increase in the survival rate of of people. Now, would we have preferred clinical trials that have gone on for years, et cetera, et cetera. And this is where it gets even more awful. You know, no offense, I don't always like to pick on liberal Joe or Joe Scarborough. This is what he said. Now, this is a 65-year-old drug. Guess what? Cost about anywhere between three and 10 cents to produce a dose. But that's this is his conspiracy theory. Listen. It doesn't work. I don't know 
who's making money, right? But follow the money. You have to ask We've said question. it from the very beginning. Follow the money. For somebody to continue to bring up hydroxychloroquine, you have to ask, what's the money connection? Because it makes no sense to continue to push a drug as the president continues to do that doesn't work, that every medical professional says doesn't work, that the top scientists in America say doesn't work. Every medical professional says it doesn't work. That's just not true. Claire McCaskill, Trump is promoting hydroxychloroquine because Putin is an investor. That's not true either. Anyway, Dr. Harvey Risch is with us. He's a Yale uh, epidemiology professor, wrote an op-ed piece, Newsweek, about hydroxy. He was the one we heard initially battling Big News CNN professor, now Yale uh, School of Public Health, authored over 300 peer-reviewed publications himself, currently holds senior positions on the editorial boards of many leading journals. Um, and uh, he joins us now. Doctor, how are you? Thank you for being with us. My pleasure to talk with you today. Now, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not going to play one on radio or on TV. I promise. Okay, so, but you've read the Ford study. You've read everything about, I'm sure you've heard of Dr. Daniel Wallace from Cedar sinai Los Angeles. Like you, hundreds of peer-reviewed articles. His 42 years, he's, to me, the premier expert in this. If there's no risk, you know, do no harm. But the media said, you just heard Joe Scarborough, every doctor says, every medical professional says that's just not true. What are your, what are your findings tell you? Well, it's contrary to fact that the, the drug works in its intended population, which is high-risk patients early on before they get hospitalized. In fact, the Henry Ford study, there's four studies now that are like the Henry Ford study. It, Mount Sinai, one in Milan, and there's another one that, that just came out, all showing the same thing. But they're all in hospitalized patients, and even though they show the benefit of, of using the drug on the first day or so that people get hospitalized, they're not the population that we need to treat. We need to treat people before they get hospitalized. And in those people, in high-risk people, before they get hospitalized, the drug works and it works extremely well. So there's a need to refute this. And since there's no evidence to refute it, people use other approaches, as you heard in the CNN interview. And, uh, there, but I think there's way more than political issues going on in this. I think that there's malfeasance by the pharma industry. And I think in order to know this, one has to look at what the FDA has been doing. The FDA has a protocol for approving medications for emergency use. It's called the Emergency Use Authorization. And the, these EUA applications that are filed for medications have to meet certain criteria. The criterion for efficacy, according to that, is may show benefit. There is no criterion of efficacy for a randomized control trial. The FDA does not have a randomized control trial standard for showing efficacy in emergency use authorizations, which is what we're talking about now in the pandemic. So to say that the FDA requires an emergen um, a randomized control trial is a falsehood because their own internal documents, which have been made public on the Internet, show that that's not true. Secondly, the same documents show that once a drug has been approved by the emergency use authorization, the FDA will not allow that mechanism to approve other medications. And that means that if hydroxychloroquine were to be approved, that other drug companies would have to use the regular route for approval and not the emergency one, and that takes much larger, longer uh, methods to get those drugs approved. So I believe that is where the problem is, that the FDA is protecting the slot for some drug companies to be able to have their medications approved for emergency use instead of hydroxychloroquine. 
I've been reading the cost of, cost of remdesivir, and I've read a lot about remdesivir as well. And from what I've read, a lot of the results there are promising as, as well. But a 65-year-old drug is not a drug that any company is going to make money on, is it? That's correct. But I don't necessarily know that it's remdesivir that's the competition here, because each drug has its niche for use. Remdesivir is used right now in hospitalized patients. The application we're talking about is in outpatients. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that was very clear in the studies. You're right, if taken early. Um, you know, the, two, the thing that frustrates me then the most is then the most widely publicized in the media article was, was uh, published in a medical journal and then later retracted. But they did not point or cite the Henry Ford study or the Mount Sinai study, or you talked about the Milan study. Dr. Oz has talked about that in another study. So it, it seems to me that politics is all over this, and you're also saying financials are all over this, and that bothers me greatly because, for me, the only concern ought to be saving lives. Correct. But I think that all fingers point to the FDA. I think the FDA is basically behind the, the whole problem, and it's been uh, carrying out a charade against evidence against science since at least July, when on July 1st it put out a black letter warning saying that the drug should not be used in outpatient circumstances because of risk of cardiac uh, rhythm problems. And underneath that black letter warning was a box saying that they based this on, on information about adverse events in hospitalized patients. These are sick, severely ill hospitalized patients that have involvement of the virus throughout the body, including the heart and the heart muscle. And from those adverse events, they extrapolated to people with the flu-like illness that is, uh, occurs in outpatients. And, wow. and that is a, a total unreasonable, scientifically and medically unreasonable extrapolation to do. And it created the entire false climate that these drugs have any hazard in use in outpatients. So if the retracted... Uh, medical journal article that was highly publicized, uh, you know, they had to pull it back. It speaks for itself. And the VA study, my understanding is a retrospect study, but this was given to patients late, late, late in the process. Sounds to me like they were uh, three days before dying. Here, take this. Let's see if it works. Too late then. And Daniel Wallace's the risk is nil. Um, would you say that that hydroxychloroquine is safe? And would you if you had it, consider taking it yourself with, for example, zinc and azithromycin. I would take it in a flash for myself. I would use it prophylactically for myself. I think it is absolutely safe. I think there are a few, small percentage of people who may have cardiac arrhythmia histories or problems that could switch from azithromycin to doxycycline that, or not take an antibiotic at all, that the crucial thing is making sure their body has enough zinc in it and that the hydroxychloroquine works to get the zinc into the cells to, to disrupt the virus. I think that is a, a very workable paradigm for the great overwhelming majority of people, older, you know, people with chronic conditions who desperately need to be treated if they get sick. Doctor, you're talking about the FDA, Food and Drug Administration. You're basically saying that there is a political agenda and it's probably financial motivation behind it. Yes, I'm saying that... The hydroxychloroquine 
has explicitly met the FDA's own stated criteria for emergency use authorization, and they are still not approving it. They're not doing anything with and, it. And didn't they actually say that themselves, or the CDC, or somebody did, I guess, did not that many years ago? That I can't speak to, but I know that they've had Dr. O'Neill's petition from the beginning of July that they haven't moved on, that a number of people have written briefs basically showing the compelling science, the complete fake warning that's on the FDA's website that's reprehensible, that, that they extrapolated from sick inpatients to, you know, entry early disease outpatients to, in order to perpetuate the idea that, that there's a hazard which doesn't exist. I, I think that's the level that we're dealing with, that the FDA is complicit mm-hmm. in, in these deaths. Scary. All right, we continue, Dr. Harvey Risch. And as we continue with Dr. Harvey Risch, Yale uh, epidemiology professor, op-ed Newsweek about hydroxychloroquine, and we're we're talking about all this. I'm blown away by all that you are saying, and it's really sad. I think what Dr. Oz says, that when you have the intersection of politics and medicine, politics always wins. That's what it sounds like to me, sir. Uh, unfortunately, you know, who's got the, the, the bigger hammer here? And, and uh, the, the truth, the science, is, has a difficulty swinging its hammer in spite of the fact that, that it's true. You know, it's, it's like a lot of things. If, it, for example, I'll give you another political issue. And in, in the second term of Barack Obama, well, he was all for building the wall. The Democrats were all for building the wall. Donald Trump wants to build the wall, and now they're all against it. The very same people that were for it. Seems like if President Trump says, you know what, what have you got to lose? He knew about Daniel Wallace's uh, letter because it was sent to him. Uh, he's known, he's talked to all of the medical experts. You know, there's so much vacillation. And I don't know if we have a FDA that is not looking out for the best interests of the American people. I mean, why don't we clean that out? That's that's unconscionable to me. I agree, but I think that it's difficult to uh, address, you know, the bad behavior of civil service, federal civil service workers. Wow. And, you know, you have to document everything and prove everything. And that's a drawn-out process, and we're in a pandemic where lives are on the line daily. We're losing more than a thousand people a day, and it's very difficult, you know. And nobody there is willing to do the right thing. Let me ask you this: You obviously are very well respected. It's not easy to get a peer-reviewed article or publication. You have over three hundred of them. Dr. Daniel Wallace, Cedar Sinai, the premier expert, I believe, on hydroxychloroquine, over four hundred. Um, have you taken heat for speaking the truth this way? Uh, Yes, not only the CNN interview um, and lots of pushback uh, of what I'll call aberrant people on on emails. Um, My dean stood up for me on our school's website by saying that faculty members have the right to express their scientific opinions, their their studied uh, opinions on science, regardless of how mainstream or fringe they are, that this is the freedom of intellect that we have at Yale and yeah. something that I cherish about being a faculty member at Yale. I would assume, doctor, that you don't have this prestigious uh, uh, professorship and, and this background uh, at Yale without, um, without having incredible credentials, as we now know you do. Sir, thank you for your bravery. Thank you for giving another side. And again, I would advise my audience, let consult your doctor. Right. Uh, but, I, but I stand with Dr. Rish on this. Uh, thank, you. thank you, sir. All right, 25 now until the top of the hour, 800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of this extravaganza. Very excited 
So, uh, Linda, uh, I'm getting my No Cupcake Zone interview with Bill <laughs> O'Reilly tonight. Uh, I mean, that's what I, I don't said. know why, but it's just so funny to me. Like, you know, the way that whole interview, even last week when we were talking about what he was going to do, just hysterical, you know? I mean, I want funny. you to know, Hannity. And by the way, this is a guy that says he's not a, a complicated guy, right? Just want you to know, this is not going to be like any other interview. We're going to do it differently. I hope you know. I hope you know that when you started calling him Simple Man, now he has it yeah. like in all of his descriptions, like his Twitter handle, his Facebook handle. When he comes on the air, oh, I'm it's like, hilarious! Oh my God, well, I mean, this is too much. No, listen. Um, we 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 didn't like each other for a lot of years. I, we've already talked about that no, publicly. I never heard about that. Really. I know. <laughs> and it was his fault, not mine. And I've told him. I reminded him of that a million times. But you know. Um, He's very, he actually is complicated, but he thinks he's simple. That's what cracks me up. I'm like, you're not simple. But, you know, playing Leonard Skinner in Simple Man is is hilarious to me anyway. And I can actually see when he goes back on the road, it's going to be, it's going to be, okay, lights go dark. <laughs> up, up comes Leonard Skinner's Simple Man. And the crowd builds in anticipation spotlight and there's the six what is he six foot five giant i'm six foot tall i seem short in comparison you know uh, i got actually speaking of leonard skinner well, well anyway nice the cupcake interview is tonight at eight okay so mm-hmm. real quick I, I got this text message the today com. go ahead all right and uh you know ricky medlock texted me and said hey you know, I wanted to let you know that I got a copy of your book. You know, my manager got a copy of your book and his wife got a copy of your book. And I'll send you know, them everybody... copies. They're friends of mine. Yeah. First of all, this is how friends help friends. You know, we, okay. we patronize them. We talk to them. We, we purchase their products. We listen to their music. It's awesome. So I thought that was really sweet. Listen, um, you know, I, I'm not going to go into all chapter verse on the thing. I'm just excited that there are some really fun things. Uh, we did Glenn Beck show today, which was good. We did Fox and Friends today. We're doing a number of Fox yeah, shows Yeah, you were tomorrow. up bright and early, especially with how much you love the morning. I mean, especially when you're golfing. I was, and I was bright. Amazing. Did you watch it by any chance? Of course. No? Of course. Uh, she's course. with the coffee and like, here's your jolt of 9 p.m. adrenaline. I'm just on a different schedule. You know, those guys get up at like three or four in the morning, just about mm-hmm. when I'm going to bed. I mean, yep. I, I do not understand how people can get up that early uh, in the morning. You know, it was funny. Tom Likas years ago, don't do morning radio ever. He was probably it's right. Hot. I like, mean, people don't understand. This is brutal. You know, TV and radio is not easy to begin with. And I no. don't think that the general public understands how much work goes into it, how much time goes into it. And it's funny, you know, you were just doing that interview with, with Harvey Risch. And I was thinking to myself, you know, we are so lucky to be in the jobs that we have and do what we do because we get to talk to people like this doctor. You know, this is this is an epidemiologist, somebody who's at Yale University, and he's dealing with all of this scrutiny and and complete rebuttal from the media community that knows nothing of which they are talking about. It's and terrible. giving this guy who who has three hundred peer review journals and you're giving him a hard time because he's not saying that you're right. Like there's no conversation or discourse anymore. And I was thinking that it tied into Live Free or Die. Because in Live Free or Die, we're talking about our constitutional background, you know, our founding fathers, you know, the First Amendment right, the ability to speak to one another and have discourse and conversation. And here's this guy coming with scientifically backed evidence saying, hey, this is what I think, and he's not allowed to say it. And, you know, you talk about this in Live Free or Die, like so many different things are covered in in the 10 chapters that you did on this great book. But 
There's one thing that you talk about it, and it's about, you know, the information of patriotism. And you go back to Ronald Reagan and talking about, you know, at the end of his term, how he was like, information about our history, about our nationalism, about who we are. Like, we're not just an egotistical country. We're a country that knows its history, and we're proud of where we came from, how far we've grown, and how we learned from our mistakes. And that just seems to be mm-hmm. lost right now. I I was so looking forward. We had originally planned we were going to go to the Reagan Library and the Nixon Library. We were going to go out to Salt Lake City. We were going to do a whole bunch of places. And, uh, and now we're doing the virtual events, and hopefully maybe in the fall we'll be able to get on the road. I would love to. And I will tell you, like, it's so cool. When we did the Reagan Library the last time, there were thousands of people yeah. that they had to, they stopped. It, it, at the time, I don't know, probably Mark Levin broke the record after, but we had the record of the biggest crowd ever for any book event. And I was humbled and thankful and grateful. And, you know, our audience has now made this the number one book in the country on Amazon.com. Thank you for all of that. And, yeah, I wonder if the New York Toilet Paper Times, they'll probably put me in as Hannity comes in at 23rd. <laughs> Which, oh, by please. The way, You'll be lucky been, if you make the list. It's ridiculous. I'll be making, yeah, I'll be lucky if I make it. So I don't really care. But The numbers are skewed, and they are skewed to a point that it is it is uh, revolting. It's, it's, it is absolutely O'Reilly revolting. went through this. He goes, you know, they're, never, they're gonna, you, you'd have to sell a million more books than somebody to ever have uh, the New York Times give you credit. And he's right, and he's done how many book bestsellers? But th- that's not why I wrote the book. I didn't write it for me. I didn't write this book because I like writing. I wrote this book because the moment I it just I was compelled to do it. I felt compelled to do it. I feel an urgency about where we are in the country. And I know there's a, a, a warning, a dire warning that live free, upside, positive, uplifting message or die. And those policies of AOC, Bolshevik, Bernie and Biden, they'll ruin the, the greatest country God gave man. Um, but anyway, it's going to be cool if you can join us tonight. Um Again, we're going to be on a Bill O'Reilly's show, uh, BillOReilly.com at 8. Then we're going to be, uh, uh, what am I doing? Oh, that's right. Then I got the live signing. Anybody can su- join in. You don't have to buy a book to join in, right? You can just come and hang out with us and watch. Can people do so, that? No. So the that's, way that it works, I mean, oh this boy. is why you should check with me before we talk, you know? So basically know what anything. happens is, <laughs> and this is why, it's listen, you've got you've got four hours of broadcast to do, and that's why we're in charge of all these other things. So basically, you go to Hannity.com. It's right there on the center of the page. It's a live signing link. You go to that link. You pre-order the book. You get in line. You can put your, you know, your name, where you're from, and what your question is for Sean. We're going to be there at 10.05, right after we get off uh, Fox News tonight, when you're done your, your uh, 9 o'clock show. You go right to the live signing. You'll be signing books in front of everybody. You'll be doing a rapid-fire 22-question, what you never knew about Sean Hannity. Oh, boy. And you're not going to give get... me the questions ahead of time, are you? I would never do that. I mean, you know, that's no fun. I, I need I need to have a little fun, you know? These are the things. Oh, that, this oh is you're going to be at, oh, you're asking the questions. I'm not asking the questions. I just pick the questions and put them in a nice little grouping. And then right when we get on the air at some interesting point, I'm just going to put it right in front of you and say, okay, now answer these questions because it's fun. Uh, listen, I'll do whatever anybody wants, any questions. And I really, but yeah, people feel can it. go there and they can get you, online. You saw they the can piles of, of tip sheets that we actually put in real, the real book. It's a real sheet. It's a real part of the book. Yeah, you know, uh, we were talking about that earlier. Why don't we put one of those pictures out? I think it would be good for the American really public to? to know. Yeah, because you know, because you know, I, you know why? Because I really wanted to get out and see people. Because I hadn't done this in ten years, and and there were reasons. I mean, obviously, I I got two kids, and uh, I've been gone a lot when they were young, and I want to be home as much as I can. I already work crazy hours and a workaholic, and um, 
but I wanted to be. And but I, I miss it. I miss you know how the president misses his rallies. I, I miss meeting the, the great men and women of this country. It's not the Sean Hannity's of the world or anybody on radio and TV of the world that make America great. It's the American people that make America great. And yeah, I just want to make Sean- sure that we preserve this great country that has created a standard of living and advanced the human condition because of our constitutional republic, liberty and freedom, which is under assault. No, we're not perfect. But we have the mechanism to improve and become a more perfect union at all times. You know, there's a quote in this informed patriotism that I started out talking about. Do you mind if I read it from your book? It's just like a couple of lines. Okay, but fine. I think it's it's so germane to everything that we're talking about today. And, and you wrote, you know, this makes perfect sense to maintain national cohesiveness. Our citizens should unite in their love for the country based on the ideals that set this nation apart. And until relatively recently... This was not a controversial thing. Like, that is so apropos to what we are seeing right now. When did it become a bad thing to be proud of your country? When did it become a bad thing to be sad about our history? We learned from our history. We made mistakes. We grew from it. And we're trying to be better people every single day. We're not trying to divide and conquer. We're trying to unite and rise. And what's happening right now, it, this is not what, what America is about. We're not about, you know, hating one another and just having this instantaneous reaction to anything we don't agree with it's absolutely it's just nothing of what we're supposed to be like today and i think that live free or die is the platform that's going to set people apart when you read this you're going to say oh that's what we're about and i don't think i don't i I think it should be required reading and i'm not just saying that because i work here you know what i mean look i just want this country and the and the blessings of liberty that i inherited son of a prison guard son of a family court probation guy and a waiter uh son of poor parents, poor grandparents, that dreams that I never even imagined for myself have come true. And I, and we know how to do it. It's like we've learned things with coronavirus. You get better at it. You learn from your success. You learn from your failure. We know how to make people successful. First, you got to be safe and secure, which you don't have in these cities run by liberals for decades. And then they have the worst educational systems as well. And it's like, this is what's at stake here. It's higher taxes, lower taxes, energy independence, or you know, getting rid of the lifeblood of the world economy and destroying millions of high-paying career jobs. It's United Sanctuary States of America or amnesty versus border security. It's about you know national defense, peace through strength that took off the handcuffs to beat the caliphate, take out Soleimani and El Baghdadi and and the Al Qaeda leader in Yemen that Trump did. It's <clears throat> it's about, you know, we've never had a better supporter of Israel or a bigger supporter of religious freedom than Donald J. Trump or a bigger supporter, this is from the NRA, of our Second Amendment rights than Donald Trump. You know, you, you add, nobody's cut the bureaucracy more than him. And frankly, he never gets any credit for his travel ban 10 days after the first case of Corona, the first quarantine in, what, 50, 60 years. He gets no credit for his medical mobilization. I, I listen to... You know, New York Governor Cuomo is chasing me out of his his state. Thanks very much that I, I listen to me. Who is he to criticize anybody on Corona? Because he sent COVID-19 patients into the most vulnerable population and a lot of them died. You know what, Sean? That is such an excellent point, And a lot of people are giving him a pass on that. I mean, our elderly community that suffered under his decisions, the lives that were lost because he said, oh, who cares? Put them all back in the nursing homes. I mean, 
if this was anybody else, we, we'd be up in arms. And I think that that's a very important aspect. Like each of those people that passed, that was somebody's mother, that was somebody's father. That was a family member to somebody. And it was like he didn't even care. That's why I wanted to do this. I want that. I want people to absorb that which we could never communicate in any four hours of any broadcast day. It is impossible. You know, I did these great interviews with the great one. Uh, I was on his radio show for an hour yesterday. I'm with him on TV. He's a dear friend. He's a a, a patriot. He is a constitutional scholar. At heart, believe it or not, at heart, I, when you hear Mark on the radio, you know, thank me, get off my phone, you big dope. You know, that's that's just the entertaining side of him. I mean, he's a real intellectual. And has been his whole life. I watched him write his books. And we talked about it a year ago. And I said, I'm going to do it because I just feel it. And I did not know that it would get this, that the divide would be, be this deep. I did not know that Joe Biden would get even worse and adopt Bolshevik Bernie, AOC's, Beto Bozo and Pelosi and Schumer's agenda and absorb it completely. Which I think, again, as I said earlier in the show, is a sign of weakness. I never thought that it really means something to, to the extent that I knew it meant something, but not to this extent, live free or die, America and the world on the brink. I never realized it is all of that. And what I said earlier, this is the this is a moment of great optimism because we can shock the world again. The American people will decide. It's not Sean Hannity. It's not Linda from New York. It's going to be the American people. Your state of Pennsylvania, Ohio, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida. Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, maybe even Minnesota, maybe, you know, Iowa, certainly, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, the second congressional district of Maine could mean everything. Right. But before so, they go, Sean, we need them you know, to be informed. We need well, them to know from where they come and we need them to know where they're going because this media mob mentality and the misinformation that's happening on the mainstream in the cable nets is literally directing an entire generation of people down the wrong path. And it's got to stop. Well, Anyway, if you can join us tonight, we're, we'd love to have you. It's immediately after Hannity. You go to Hannity.com. You click on uh, the link, and you can join us for this, what we call a virtual signing. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I'll stay as long as I can. I mean, I'm, I've got nothing better to do. It's just nighttime for me, uh, and I'm always up anyway. And also, uh, we'll be on O'Reilly tonight at his website, BillOReilly.com. My, my non-cupcake interview. So he kept saying, I even start. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to confront him on the non-cupcake thing, the cupcake. He's been threatening me with this not-a-cupcake interview for a month. I'm like, okay, what are you going to do? Hit me over the head with a two-by-four? All right, don't forget, Hannity tonight. Please set your DVR, 9 Eastern, Senator Cruz, Eric Trump, Judge Pirro, Mike Huckabee, Larry Leo, Bongino, Geraldo. 9 Eastern. Then immediately thereafter, go to Hannity.com. We have our live signing. We'll see you tonight. Back here tomorrow. See you hopefully at the virtual signing.